Hello, I'm Aileen O'Mara and welcome to Clarence Street Stories. This is my podcast about people, events and news here at Clarence Street in the oldest part of Dunleary. People in business and politics and stories from the street. Ellen Gunning is this month's story and she joins me now here at Clarence Street Stories. Welcome this morning, Ellen. Thanks, Aileen. So introduce yourself first for me. I mean, a lot of people know who you are in the business here in Ireland, but tell me a bit about yourself and your business. OK, I'm Ellen Gunning. I formed the Irish Academy of Public Relations in 1992. I had actually formed my first business in 1985, which was a PR consultancy. And I suppose to go back a little bit before that, I had no intention of ever forming a PR consultancy or ever working for myself. But I actually found that I was doing PR for loads of voluntary bodies. So I was PR for the Residents Association or the Community Group or the Vincent de Paul and decided to study it. And as a result of studying it, I formed the PR consultancy. And then as a result of actually having the consultancy, I was invited to lecture on PR. And because I was lecturing on PR, I thought, well, there's only one course, which there was at the time. There's only one course in Ireland that you could study, which was in Dublin. I am a dub. I'm slightly dub centric. But even I thought there must be people around the rest of the country who were interested. So I formed the Irish Academy of Public Relations. How long ago was that? 1992. And actually, when I formed it, it was a different, the idea was different. It was to provide public relations education, strictly public relations education, outside of the Dublin area. So we started, we had to include Dublin as well. So we started by teaching courses in UCD in Dublin, UCC in Cork and GMIT in Galway. And then as it progressed, things changed. And I suppose I developed this world vision. My two favourite words now are world domination. So I developed this world vision and thought, well... Rather than teach the courses, and we had got the courses to the stage where we had actually designed and had approved two level eight HETAC courses. So there were postgrad courses in both public relations and journalism. But the economic downturn came and it sort of coincided with the fact that we'd been moving along the route of getting other colleges to teach our courses anyway. So we would license them on our behalf and they would teach the courses. So we've 40 colleges in Ireland who teach our courses on our behalf. Um, And then we said, when we looked at that, we said, well, why not do distance learning? Because not everybody can go to college. So we expanded the courses and now offer online public relations, journalism, radio journalism, event management, marketing and grammar. And then having done that, I decided, well, not everybody is based in Europe. So we now have three websites, an Irish, European, an English, Asian and an American. And then when we did that little bit, I thought, well, sure, not everybody wants to study in English either. So we introduced the PR courses two years ago in English, French, Spanish, Russian and Polish. And our latest move, if you like, is that we now have colleges around the world who are teaching our courses. So we have a college in Abuja in Nigeria. I was there last year. Uh, They're teaching our courses in event management, PR and journalism. We have a college in Greece who are teaching our courses. And we have a number of links with other organisations who promote our courses on our behalf. So the World Trade Centre in Chile, for example, the World Trade Centre in Uruguay, Um, the International School of Languages in Santiago. Um, Just we've become more international in our thinking, I suppose, and just continue to expand that way. It's fascinating. And it is world domination. (laughs) It is world domination. And it is anywhere you're not. Did I mention North America there anywhere? Uh, North America, we're only starting to move into. We actually we're doing a lot of work with South America at the moment and we're doing a lot of work with Africa at the moment. North America is on the radar. I just haven't got that far yet. 
I'm just taken aback because I knew you had, you know, so, some online courses abroad. I hadn't realised the extent of them. So like, well done. And, and I know because we are both in the same building here in on Clarence Street in Dunleary that your office is small. So when you say we, who's we? Oh, the, the team. I'm in a small office, but the team is nine people. It's a core group of nine people who look after and that's excludes and the they? tutors. Oh, they all work from their own basis. Right, so I'm I think of myself as an octopus. So I have all these tentacles spreading out. So all my little tentacles look after different areas. So I have people who look after our public relations, people who look after our events, people who look after managing the students, people who look after our websites, which is a vital area. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody does their own specific niche job, people who look after our social media, because I'm not good at any of that stuff. And I reckon that's not really my job. My job is to keep finding new areas to dominate and everybody else can sort of, the mm. team can join in. And then in terms of tutoring, we've actually got tutors in 11 different countries around the world. We've students in 32 countries around the world and tutors in 11 different countries. Because when you study with us, and they're not part of that core nine, obviously, but when you study with us, you're actually nominated your own tutor. So it's one to one mentoring. And the whole idea is that if you're studying, uh, say, journalism, if you study journalism with us, the rules are the same about how you would write a news story. But if you're studying in Ireland, somebody will say this is how you write it for the Irish Times. If you're studying with us in the UK, you'll have a UK tutor who says, very interesting, but this is how you would adapt it for the Sunday Times. If you're studying with us in the States, somebody will say this is how you would do it for the New York Times. The rules are the same, but you have a tutor who says, who localises it for you effectively and makes it a, a course that could, in effect, be taught in your own country. Where do you get the energy for all this? I mean, it sounds to me like it's a 24 hour job, 24 hour day job, really, isn't it? It's 24 7. And I've yeah. loved, I've always done 24 yeah. 7 and anything I've so got involved in. So the passion is there, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just my style. And did I you wouldn't start know how out to thinking, do any less. you know, by, you know, 2015, I want to be in all these countries? Or did it just evolve? Oh, was no. there a plan? No. Um, the plan was always just that I would concentrate on communications because I loved the communications mm-hmm. area. I remember years ago, a woman approaching me and telling me there was a massive explosion in some form of accountancy courses. She was actually right because it did explode the year after or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that I should really get involved in that. And I remember listening to her and thinking it was a really good pitch and it would probably make quite a lot of money. And actually, my eyes would just glaze and I'd die of boredom. I'd rather stab myself in the head with a fork than actually get involved in teaching accountancy because it's not my passion. So I would get up in the morning and think, oh, it's an accountancy course. What's the problem? Whereas now I get up every morning and think, bring it on. What mm-hmm. what will today bring? And I just, I love it. I yeah, because the there is great variety, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huge variety. Yeah, yeah. What's your definition of success? I think it's doing what you love doing. I and getting paid me. for it? <laughs> um, yeah, probably. But it, it's actually the doing of what you love. You couldn't survive if you didn't get paid for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, definitely my idea of success is somebody getting up in the morning. I think I'm very successful because I get up in the morning and think, this is wonderful. What on earth is today going to bring? And every single day there's something completely different. There's a but new But do you option, worry about the balance sheet? Do you worry about the... Uh, I, I'm the lazy bank, with figures. No. No, I'm lousy with figures. I Who always does it know. For you, so you have a good account. No, I'm. Yeah, I have, but I always know in my head, roughly where I'm at, and that's grand. Mm-hmm. You that's have, that's yeah. all I need to know. Yeah. I don't need all of the detail. Mm-hmm. I have somebody who can do all of the detail for me, and we can mm-hmm. fight over whether that should have gone into this column or that column. It's, it's not something I'm interested in. But once I know, um, but it's a good point that if you're not actually making money, you can't actually. I suppose you won't sleep in your bed at night. You won't be as comfortable getting up in the morning saying, "Bring it on," if you're actually worried about the balance sheet. Yeah. So uh, and. Is, you know, I'm asking, I have a question here in front of you now. What, what do you enjoy most about being your own boss? Is it about the, the, the fact that, you know, as you say, you get up every day and do what you, what you really like doing? I think it's the fact that the book stops at me. That whether I get it right or I get it wrong, it was my call. Um, and I don't mind if I get it wrong. 
I don't know that I've got it wrong all that often. I've been lucky. Um, but if I got it wrong and it was my decision, I'm happy with it. If I got it wrong because somebody else, I wouldn't be suited to a partnership, for example, because if the other person had taken the decision, I'd probably have to slap them silly. It would drive me insane. But if I got it wrong, I'd be quite happy to get up in the morning and go, you dozy witch. You've learned something from that and move on. So I think the thing I like most is that the book stops at me. Mm-hmm. Right or wrong, it's my call. Because that would freak some people out, all that responsibility they're carrying around themselves, you know, that, that the buck does stop with no, them. No, it, you know it's I mean? part of my yeah. buzz, mm-hmm. I must admit. And is there anything you enjoy least or something you don't like about being your own boss? Mm. Very hard to find something I don't like. Because mm. the things like that the I don't like... switching off, I mean, you know, the things I don't like Sunday doing, or something. Yeah. Um, I get other people to do. Um, people ringing me on a Sunday, no, that doesn't bother me at all. Um, I, I'm actually lucky that I'm surrounded by people who are as passionate as I am. I had a, a woman, uh, Natasha, who was handling our social media until about six months ago. And at one stage, Natasha had some problem with online, was it Google Plus or something? And she couldn't figure out how to do something with it. And she had contacted me and said, so what do I do with this? Not my area. So I said, Grant, tell you what you do. Contact Anne. Anne actually wrote the course for us. She still tutors the course. She lands here in 30 seconds flat. She knows the story. And Natasha came back on Saturday morning and said I've the wrong email for Anne she hasn't responded can you give me a phone number for her and I'll give her a shout and I said but Anne doesn't work Saturdays and Sundays and her instant reaction was my god do we work with anybody who doesn't do weekends because everybody on the team does weekends does late evening we don't abuse it but it's just, I suppose it's the fact that everybody's passionate about what they do. And if you get a chance to finish it off this evening, you should make the call at eight o'clock. You don't have to take the call if you're doing something else. Or ring on Saturday to check it because the chances are I'm going to be in and out of the office on Saturday and Sunday anyway, catching up on stuff. So, yeah, I'm lucky. Mm, I'm, yeah. I'm surrounded by people who are as passionate as I am. Yours is a very established business now here in Ireland anyway. And certainly from what you say, it's established all over the world at this point. But I mean, where do you get your business from? Where does it come from? Does it come from online, word of mouth, networking? Do you advertise? I honestly couldn't tell you where it comes from. All of the above is the short answer. Yes, we advertise. We do a lot of Google advertising because it's an online course. And in each of the different countries, you need to know we're online. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of public relations. So we do a lot of... Um, telling people about what it is we're doing so the new deals we've signed the fact that we're around we've appointed new tutors um, doing what we teach which is just creating an awareness of who we are and the fact that we're actually in your country Um, what else do we do? Networking we do a huge amount of networking I just love networking because I love meeting people networking is very hard to tell I suppose it's like Google Ads you know unless you can follow it all the way through to the end and how many people actually click on an ad and then say well now I'm going to buy this course instantly so it all actually adds so networking is about maybe somebody coming back to you six or eight months later and saying I met somebody would you be interested in we do an e-zine um, every month that goes out to 35 and a half thousand people and I don't know how many times I've spoken to somebody who said, I've been getting your easy for the last five years and I finally signed up to do that course. I was thinking of it. It's not a sales tool. It's just a reminder. And here are little snippets about and what's happening. And where did you get the 35,000 people? You oh, got just this. built them all up. They've all the contacted us at some stage. I don't buy email yeah. addresses at all. Yeah. So it's literally people who have contacted us under and one guise or another. presumably as well, they can sign up that way too. Yeah, they yeah. can. That's amazing. 35,500. It's a monster. It and monster. we actually have... Uh, you've got one person working on that all the time, have you? Or how does yeah, that work? We've yeah, got, we've actually got four different easings. The easing goes out on the same day every month, but there's an American version which includes broguery and pish roguery because I just have to do little Irish stories and I can't resist it. There's a UK version which would give you UK examples rather than Irish. There's the Irish European and there's one that's in the Spanish language because we're doing so much work with South America at the moment. That is world domination. 
Where do you get your energy from? I've always had tons of energy. I'm um, Tony, my husband, maintains that I'm like a wind up bunny. I unplug in the evening. So literally, as soon as I see bed, it's like, whoo, bed. And I'm gone and I sleep like a baby. But I get up the following morning and it's bring it Mm. on. Hello, world. Isn't that the key, really? If you are running your own business, isn't that the key that you have to have that energy? You know, if you don't have that energy, you're not going to. You couldn't do it. No, you couldn't. I couldn't imagine not having this amount of energy. And I couldn't imagine actually doing what I do without it. But I do take it for granted. Because I've always had this amount of energy. Yeah, I just yeah, you'll it never comes burn out, really. No, I don't think so. No. I don't think so. Yeah. I keel over and die first. You briefly mentioned the recession earlier. Um, how did the recession affect you? Because it affected everybody. It affected everybody, and what it did for us was, I think, it made me realise that Ireland was a very, very small market. So it made me concentrate much more on the markets outside of Ireland and all our growth in the last five years has been outside of Ireland. Um, You can see a slight upturn. I don't know that it's all that big. There's a slight upturn in the last six, eight months maybe where people are becoming slightly freer with money. Not much. Um, So literally we've been looking. I suppose what it did mostly for us was that we had already begun changing the model in that we were doing everything online but you suddenly started looking at online and thinking Ireland's too small. So where do we go from there? And actually, one of the things that it did was the HETAC course that I was mentioning to you, the postgrad HETAC course. We just stopped teaching that entirely because people just didn't have the money. So you were never going to get the, the kind of numbers where before people would say three and a half grand, four and a half grand. I'll invest that in my career for a year. You just knew it was never going to happen. In fact, I had a chap that I met one day and he kept looking at his hand as if the money was in his hand. And he was saying he wanted to study journalism, but he wasn't sure if he'd be in a job in six months time. And the course was, I think it was around three and a half grand at the time. And should he do the course? Um, what was my advice? And I'm probably never going to be a squillionaire um, because I couldn't actually say, just give me the money and do the course. And I said to him, really what you need to figure out is, A, how are you going to manage when you're out of a job? And B, will journalism give you an income? And if it won't give you an income, what the heck are you doing spending the money now? Hang on to your money. And he didn't do the course. And I think it was that conversation that convinced me to stop offering it mm-hmm. because it's, it's going to get yeah. worse and worse. Mm-hmm. So we, I suppose what we did was we sort of kept Ireland running as is and started looking abroad. But we've also, it's given us a chance to expand the range of courses. Mm-hmm. We've introduced, you'll be fascinated by this, Aileen, we've introduced a radio journalism course, uh, which was designed by Norman Jack, who's a Canadian broadcast journalist. And he has actually put together a course to give people, to teach people how to freelance into radio journalism. And one of the things actually that um, I suppose we've always concentrated on, because it's in the communications area, I'm not so conscious that actually every course that we teach, probably with the exception of grammar, gives you an opportunity to earn money. So when we went to Nigeria, when we met with Dorban Polytechnic uh, in Abuja, who are now teaching our courses, the man who runs the college, Dr. Query, lovely guy, actually said to me that his theory, when we went out and met with the different groups, he has three different schools. He teaches all of our courses in one. His theory is that he will give people skills that they can make money from. So public relations, event management, journalism, that all made sense. You could go out and earn your living. But, and he teaches things like um, how to dismantle computers and put them back together again because we get fed up with our computers long before they've ever passed their sell-by date in Africa. And his idea was give them something that they can make money from. He won't teach philosophy because how on earth would you earn your living um, as a philosopher in Nigeria? Mm. And it makes a huge mm. amount of sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's the other big advantage we've had that in a recession, you're actually promoting courses that really do give you a chance either full-time or part-time to earn money. Mm-hmm. 
Because the future journalism, we could have a whole conversation that would, you know, never end on we that We could have one. a month's conversation yeah, but, on that But one. certainly seems to me the one of, you know, the way you you have not survived, but certainly, you know, come out of the recession is that you have uh, diversified. And I think that's really, and moved online, which I think is the future of journalism, future of media, diversification and online. And, well, crystal ball would be helpful too. But, uh, you know, because... But I suppose the nature of every business every is you're business, always changing, yeah. you're always evolving. Yeah. If but you're I think particularly still, the, the digital media revolution has really knocked people for six, I yeah. think, you but I think if you're standing still in any papers or anything like that, oh, yeah. I mean, that's really, yeah, yeah. This and is what I like doing. Yeah, and mm. even television. You know what I mean? You can't, nobody can predict what's going to happen. Watch look at Irish TV. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know. That's probably the future of television. I know. We all And it's completely <laughs> different. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, family support, obviously, is very important, isn't it? I mean, to, for anybody um, running their own business. Cause family being Tony. Yeah. Um, I ha- don't husband. have any children. Yeah. So I haven't had these people that I can send running up and down the roads to do whatever. Um, I've never had support, not as in I've never had support, but I've never looked for support from my family mm-hmm. um, in terms of brothers and sisters or mother and father. Uh, I've always assumed that it was my business and I would do it. But his support would be absolutely crucial um, because, for example, I don't do anything that falls under the banner of domestic. I mean, if it's domestic, I can't spell it. I'm not interested in it. I don't know anything about it. So he looks after the house. He looks after all of the cooking. Um, he's the one who says, oh, my God, you're going to what country? And don't forget, you need these injections. And he's a huge support. And strangely enough, I was talking to, I did a a book called Capital Women of Influence a few years back and each of the women who, that I profiled in that book, more or less said the same thing, that they had somebody behind them who was a massive support. So it's kind of like the the man who succeeds having the wife. Behind them maybe isn't even the right expression, but somebody there who says, go do whatever Mm. you want to do. Um, It's not even a it's not a physical support as in I will do things for you. It's a mental support that says, yeah, I know. So you have to go to Nigeria. You have to go to Pakistan. You have to go to where Go do. Mm. You're crazy. But it's go total do it. support. Yeah, It's mm-hmm. complete support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you're right on that one because I can think of other people I know in the same way, you know. It seems to happen so, a lot. So we'll, we'll wind up. I mean, we could go on for another hour. But I mean, what, uh, what is, first of all, the one key lesson you've learned about being self-employed and running your own show that you could give to someone starting out now or someone in the first few years of their business? I think for me it would have to be trust your gut instinct, which isn't a business lesson, but it, it is in a lot of ways that if you feel something is going to be good, it's going to work well, go with it. If you find somebody, an individual, I'm a great believer in finding the people. I, I never advertise jobs. I talk to people and I look for people. I know I have a gap there somewhere and I look for somebody to fill the gap. Um, my gut has seldom been wrong about that person would work very well with me. So trust your gut, I think. And somebody, either an individual that you don't think you'll work well with, chances are 99% of the time you ain't going to work well with them. So don't waste your time. Or a business that, from a, a PR point of view, you meet somebody and think, yes, we could handle their business, but they're probably going to be extraordinarily difficult. Um, instead of being somebody who says, OK, this didn't work, will we try that? They're going to end up having a big narc about it. Just trust your gut instinct and say, do you know what? You need somebody else because I really can't baby you. I'm very bad. I, I try to choose people I work with and clients I work with who are a bit like me. I, I really don't do the... Um, Minding people, you know, she's feeling very delicate today. We'll tell her to go away and come back tomorrow because I don't do delicate. Um, but it actually it works very well. So I, I think that would be the key lesson. Just trust your own gut instinct. Ellen Gunning of the Irish Academy of Public Relations. Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Aileen. And remember, you can get all the episodes of this podcast, Clarence Street Stories, on my website, aileenomara.ie and follow us on Twitter at aileenomara.ie.